2: It's Two Dudes in a Kitchen with Tyler Florence and Wells Adams and iHeartRadio podcast. All right, everybody, welcome into another episode of Two Dudes in a Kitchen. It's Wells Adams hanging out. I got uh, Tyler Florence here as well. Tyler, how are you, man? I'm Good, buddy. How are you? I'm doing great. I am a huge Halloween guy. I don't know if you'd like to get dressed up.
3: <laughs> you know, it's this bone in contention every single year because my kids love it and I f- Hate it. (laughs) Are you with me out there? It's just not my every time I get dressed up, I'm always silly. They're like, Dad, what are you going as? I'm like a slightly bitter middle aged chef who just doesn't want to. (laughs) You know what I mean? But 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 listen, when it comes down to it, we always end up having this like really great party at the house. And, uh, and so all the kids and our teenagers are slightly out of the trick-or-treating phase and kind of into the house party phase as we are adults. Because if you go to a, a Halloween thing, now it's like a party at somebody's house. So we are throwing our first semi-adult teenager Halloween party this year. And we're very excited.
2: I imagine that you hand out weird stuff at Halloween because like there's always the people that like hand out like homemade things and you're like, what am I supposed to do with this? But you are Tyler Florence. So I imagine your treats for trick-or-treating are really, really good.
3: Well, it it, it just depends on how much time we have. Like right now I'm planning on passing out pecan bars and lemon bars. I think those are the jam. So those are easy to make and like a sheet pan format, cut, wrap, and then throw those into a basket. But then we always have just, you know, mountains of Costco candy, just ready to rock and roll uh, just in case I kind of run out of time for the day. Because like uh, as Halloween approaches, I still have to work 10 hours right before that, before (laughs) Exactly. Like my meetings crank up at like eight o'clock in the morning. So like I'm usually sliding in the home plate in the bottom of the night. That's the reason I never get dressed just because like the kids are like they've had a you know a month to plan their stuff. And I'm always like, what are we doing? Where are we going? What? Um, but uh, we're excited this year because we, we've got, God, I think maybe 25 kids coming over. I suggested a bouncy house. Are, are they too old for a bouncy house? I think it would be rad. How old are they? 15 and 16. Yeah, I think so. But like a little retro bouncy house, I promise you they'll all be in it bouncing around. I That's totally true. I bet you money. Like they're they're going to see that, and it's going to be it's going to take them right back. I'm excited for this episode
2: today because we're going to be talking about the holidays, which are obviously coming up, Thanksgiving and Christmas, just right around the corner. Uh, We're going to have Brian Hoffman on who has uh, these two amazing, one's a cookbook and one's a cocktail book. So this would be a perfect episode to get everyone out there ready for the holidays. But it got me thinking, obviously, Halloween for us is coming up. But do you have like a favorite holiday cocktail that you like to make,
3: Tyler? I've got a new one. And we just okay. did this. We we had a big event, but we hosted the entire Golden State Warriors management team plus Mr. Chris Paul here at the house uh, last week. It was very exciting, and we got a case of Gala apples. Stick with me for seconds. This is gonna. I'm making a pisco sour, right? This is my okay. new favorite cocktail, right? So we we had a big case of Gala apples, and I've got this old vintage uh, uh, apple press, apple cider press. So, we took the apples and then we kind of rough chopped them, threw them in the apple press, and you can do the same thing with a a blender. Um, But, or even if you just want to buy uh, uh, just a gallon of of apple, like pressed apple cider, you know, someone's got a little bit of color to it. You know, it's got that beautiful sort of like golden brown, rusty color to it, beautiful apple note to it. If it's got a little bit of cinnamon, cinnamon even better. And we made an apple cider Pisco sour that was just off the chart. So, Pisco. It's a Peruvian unaged brandy made out of Peruvian grapes. It's kind of similar to grappa and it's basically uh, Pisco uh, and then apple cider and then apple cider syrup and then lemon juice and an egg white and you shake it and we put a little bit of a uh, smoked cinnamon in there as well and then kind of poured it. So the egg white, would give it a nice little frothy top on it. And then we dust it with a little bit of cinnamon, bang in apple Ooh. cider, Pisco sour. You heard it here first. Killer. Plus, we were crushing the apple cider juice in front of everybody. It was awesome.
2: Yeah, it sounds really, really good. It's funny that's that's one of Sarah's favorite drinks to make during the holidays. She always makes this um this like apple cider and bourbon punch, and that's fantastic because you can make it in large batches. Uh, and if you just like Google, I think the New York Times has uh, the recipe that we use every year. Um, but it's so good. The only problem is it's very, very sugary, and that gets your boy uh some hangovers. But my thing for um holiday cocktails is always just predicated around what can I infuse in simple syrup that makes it seem like the holidays, right? And you for pretty much any really good drink has some sort of sweetening agent in it, right? Or some sort of simple syrup or sugar or something. And what I like to do like for the fall autumn times, I like to make a simple syrup that has some cinnamon notes in there. Yeah and maybe some some orange peel and some lemon yep. peel in there as well. Fall bacon spice. Exactly. And, and it's so easy to make a, a, a simple syrup. It's basically just sugar and water and then you can just throw in whatever those spices are cook that down. Then you've got a simple syrup for the the rest of the holidays. And then like for me, I love old fashions and there's nothing better than like this fall old fashioned flavoring and then throw in some, some, maybe some, uh, if you got one of those smokers that you can put, get smoking into the, into the drink is so freaking good. Anyways, that's my suggestion for holiday cocktails. Make yourself a holiday, simple syrup that you can use the entire time.
3: I want to jump into that real fast because my, my, we make a lot of cocktails or my wife makes a lot of cocktails for events. And then she's gotten really good at learning how to season cocktails because mm-hmm. we'll, we always batch them out. And I think that's the way to go. Cause sometimes people will, they, they think they, they'll need a full bar if you're uh, entertaining people and you kind of don't, you need a yeah. cocktail, you need white, red, maybe some bubbles and that's about it. Right now, a couple of things that we do around the holidays that, that I'm, I'm really passionate about. We have on my property here. We have we have a uh, uh, pear trees and apple trees. You now, of course, you can get this stuff at the grocery store or the farmers market or whatever really makes sense. But we'll take a, um, a a glass like beverage dispenser, and you can do these in a couple of different things. But we'll make like sort of a mock o de v, right? And that's basically pear and va- pear parent apples and we'll take forks and sort of stab the pears to sort of release the sugar and release the flavor. And then we'll put that into a big vat. Uh, and this is a, a glass line jar with a little spigot on the bottom. My wife's got a lot of fancy stuff like that, but you can figure out something to put it in. Right. And then we'll throw in some cinnamon. We'll throw in some bay leaves and then we'll fill it full of vodka mm. and then we'll let it steep for like a month. So we'll start that right now. When as the the pears and the apples, maybe a little bit of orange peel. I'm feeling what you're put, you know we're talking about there for a second, mm-hmm. and then throw that in there, and then let the 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 vodka just in steep with the fruit sugar, and all this really kind of beautiful holiday flavor. Now, when that starts to mellow, that's really good because um, when I make cocktails uh, and ask my our beverage team, at my restaurants, they fall into one or two categories. It's either a slammer or a sipper. Okay. Right. And so the slammers are like, Oh my God, that's really delicious. Right. And the sippers, you kind of want to take your time with it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so around the holidays by the fire with some friends here, you kind of get into the sipper mode. Right. And oh, so yeah. I think this little like apple pear cinnamon to V vodka thing is really, really delicious. Now another fantastic cocktail that I make is a cranberry Manhattan. Ooh. Feeling up?
2: I like that idea.
3: Good. So a really good bottle of like Buffalo Trace or some fantastic bourbon that's not too expensive, but you get want to get some good stuff. And then a bag of fresh cranberries, mm-hmm. not frozen cranberries because they got water. Fresh, fresh cranberries, right? And then again, just let them steep. Just let them steep, right? So the the uh the bourbon will take on this almost like oxblood color. It starts to look like cranberry juice mm-hmm. bourbon then uh then and then just let it steep and later and then you, you kind of like make these things that you think about it a little bit ahead of time a couple of weeks right and then when you're ready for the party or just kind of get together because you know you're going to be entertaining you know five six times over the holidays and you kind of have this stuff bulked up ready to go people think it's so cool it's so cool like what is that cranberry bourbon omg right and then so with a really really good manhattan it's either Depending on whose recipe you like, it's either a two to one ratio from bourbon to sweet vermouth, or it's a two to a point five, a little bit less than one ratio to get a really, really nice balance out of that. And then depending on how sweet you like in Manhattan's and then a couple of uh, 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 dashes of Angostura bitters. Right. And then and then, you know, you, you either stir them or you can shake them or whatever you want. But and then we'll, we'll take some of the cranberries that are macerated in the bourbon and I'll put them together on a skewer. Mm hmm. Right, And then drop that into the thing. And it's actually on my Instagram page. So we're just kind of pulling that up. So we did, we did this for an ad for a clothing company last year, but like that's the picture.
2: Oh yeah. Right.
3: From that there. looks good. And the color is fire. The color is so good. So this is definitely a sipper, 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 right? Yeah. See, that, see That beverage dispenser right there. Oh yeah. So big glass beb dispenser like that. Right. And then just bourbon and cranberries and that's it. And then again, I, I like a two to one ratio because you know, talking about earlier about seasoning stuff with simple syrup, that what you're talking about, I think it's really important when you make it a good cocktail, because like you want to, you want to taste the drink, but what's going to make that alcohol fire go away is balance, right? So, and that's going to come from a couple of different things. The sugar balanced out with the alcohol is going to give it, it's going to rough, round out the rough edges and then if you if you shake it with a little bit of ice or you stir it with a little bit of ice, that's going to dilute it slightly. And that's going to give you a more creamy flavor, like mouthfeel, like complexity. And it's going to take the edge off of the alcohol so you feel like you can actually drink it. Because sometimes, like, if you have a big Manhattan, I mean, dude, that's like four ounces, five ounces of just straight booze, right? Yeah. So you, you want to smooth it out with a little bit of simple syrup. You want to smooth it out with a little bit of crushed ice so it gets slightly diluted. Um, but I'm all into holiday cocktails. I want to get past Halloween right away and get straight to Thanksgiving because that's my Super Bowl.
2: Yeah, well, our guest today is going to love all the things that you just said. You might have to just absolutely repeat yourself. Brian Hart Hoffman is joining the show today. He's the president and chief creative officer of Hoffman Media He's also a baker, and combining his passions have culminated into multiple magazine publications and books like Bake from Scratch and The Coop. He has two new books out, another Bunt collection, and a new holiday cookbook, which we have right here, The Holiday Coop Tales. Excited to get into some cocktails and desserts here. Stick around. Brian Hart Hoffman right here on Two Dudes in the Kitchen. It's JoJo Siwa, host of the new podcast, JoJo Siwa Now. It's time to get real up close and personal. I'm going to be talking to you like I'm writing in a journal. You're going to get all of the tea and all of the scoop. I'm also going to be talking to my friends, to people I admire, to people that are trending right now. So you're going to get like JoJo Siwa Now and like now what's going on in the world. It's going to be great and I really hope you like it. You can listen to JoJo Siwa Now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you
1: listen to podcasts.
0: start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily
4: to die for is available now listen for free on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts
0: i'm tamika d mallory and it's your boy my son the general and we are your host of tmi new year new name new energy but
5: same old oh yeah
0: and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. All
2: right, welcome back to Two Dudes in the Kitchen. It's now Three Dudes in the Kitchen. Brian Hart Hoffman is joining the show. We have both his new books in front of us, another Bunt Collection and Holiday Coop Tales. We were just talking about about drinks because well, I play a bartender on TV and well, Tyler is an alcoholic. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we were talking about holiday festive um, drinks and just like flipping through uh, your, your holiday coot you are a big uh, believer in the coupe glass. I believe
6: it's really where it all started. You know, yeah. it just needed something to go in the beautiful glassware. So that mm-hmm. the entire the entire book. It's, it's actually my second book of cocktails in a coupe glass. Okay. The first one so much begged for a reprint. It went out of print. So now we have the new one that's new and improved and, and ready for holiday entertaining.
2: <laughs> well, I can't tell you how excited I am to have this in my hands because when uh, I got married, we had to figure out like the glasses and all the stuff for the, um, for when people buy you gifts and stuff. And my wife was like, we have to get the coop glasses. And I was like, what is this? 1920s prohibition? Like, what? when are we going to use this? And she loves them because she's like, I just feel like an old timey actress and this is what they drank out of. So now that I have this book to use the, all those glasses, I'm so thankful, man.
3: Yeah. These are, I, I think a coupe is so sexy. It's such a beautiful, beautiful, yeah, especially because, and I went with my culinary, my uh, beverage team at our restaurants. Um, I, I'm a big like fan of, of like egg white finished drinks. So you get that beautiful sort of egg white froth over top of that, just, just hitting the crest of a coop. I think it's such a pretty cocktail.
6: It's yeah, I yeah, I always say anything that holds liquid is a wine glass, and then I think anything can be drank from a coupe glass. So it all has the same application. You just need something beautiful to hold in your hand. Yeah, and that's something to drink too.
2: Let's go through this. Obviously, the holidays are right around the corner. What are some of your favorite kind of festive holiday drinks to make in a coupe glass?
6: Well, really anything is what I'll say. No, but to say. When you're thinking about holiday entertaining, one of the things that went into our minds as we were working on the recipes is you want to have cocktails that are easy for when you have a crowd. You you have spontaneous holiday guests show up. You can make a pitcher of something. You can make a big batch of something, and then the mixology is done. Then you serve it in a coupe glass. So one of the things I love is I like the cozy cocktails. I like the eggnog-based drinks. That's something you know, from a childhood, my grandmother would buy the store-bought container of eggnog. And, and that was my first taste of eggnog. But then as I learned to make it and I started appreciating all of the different nuances of eggnog, I I now love to serve eggnog in a coupe glass because to me, it's it's elegant. It's kind of like, you know, Tyler was saying, you get that nice like foam on the top after you shake it or you get it nice and and cold and frothy. Or you can serve one of our warm eggnogs, which is uh, like the chai eggnog that we had when we were in London at Dishoom. And we're sitting at this bar. It's the coldest day in London. And I look down at the menu and it says there's an eggnog chai on the menu. And I thought, oh my oh. God, I've got to have an eggnog chai. So creating that recipe was inspired by that visit. And really, it's just, I think, whatever mood you're in, we have something in the book for any kind of you know, party or even just an intimate dinner party or even just a cocktail on a night, you want to have something good to drink. Um, the cold weather months are bourbon season too. So there's stuff in there for, for the bourbon drinkers.
3: What's what's the safest base alcohol to plan a party with? Uh, like a light alcohol, like vodka or, or blanco tequila or a dark alcohol, like bourbon. I always think like as much as I love it, I always think it's a bit polarizing.
6: It is. I think vodka drinks tend to be, the easiest, most people will drink a vodka cocktail. I I agree with you, you introduce some of the darker liquors or bourbons, and you immediately have the crowd of like, Oh, I don't drink that. Or, you know, do you have something else? And of course, I always have something else. So, you know, serve, serve multiple things, make a few things in big batch, and then you're you're set for offering options.
2: So when I look at some of these recipes, they are, it looks like individual drinks, like three ounces of gin, one ounce of uh, ginger syrup. So if you want to make this into a large batch, what is your your kind of go-to conversion?
6: I, you know, truly, I think you look at, you know, how many people are you entertaining? So if you're making a recipe that we did write to be like a single serving, you know, say a Manhattan, for example. Yeah. You, you, you know, if you've got three or four people coming that like that drink, I would just triple quadruple, I would just make it in a big enough of a container, put it in the refrigerator for a little while, and you're good to go. I think if you're hosting a large party, and you want to have options, I think about maybe doing like something 10 times the recipe and Mm -hmm. having a few things ready to go, just for that cocktail hour, you know, I kind of think about cocktails in the sense of when people arrive you serve them a cocktail and then you're going to shift your gears to either the wine or the champagne or something else. I I don't want people thinking that to entertain, you need to be standing at a bar slinging drinks all night long. It's not going to be any fun for you. And your guests are going to say, get out of the kitchen, come over here and let's hang out. So, I think you start the night with the effort, make the drinks for people, have some on reserve if you're ready for that, and then make sure the wine or other beverages are ready to go for the actual kind of the long haul of the of the evening.
2: So is the play like one vodka drink that like everyone would probably love and then a bourbon drink? Is the play do like two different ones?
6: I, you know, I have a well-stocked bar. I, and and by the way, I live in Birmingham, Alabama, and every cocktail in this book was created with things you can buy at a liquor store in Alabama. So let's just say most items are readily readily available to anyone. Um, but even with the well stocked bar, I think about vodka, gin, bourbon. Having those three things for people, you're going to get the crowd of people that immediately take you up on one of those three or a champagne based cocktail. And then you're just shifting gears altogether for people that want to stay on the champagne and wine side of things for the whole time.
3: I love the idea of batch cocktails for entertaining because it takes the effort out of making drinks right in front of people. Mm-hmm. And I think give yourself a plenty of time to to rehearse it, you know, make sure that that you've got the balance out beautifully. And let's just kind of go through these one at a time, because this is uh, the takeaway that the people on the podcast really love. Let's talk about a champagne cocktail. Let's talk about a bourbon cocktail and then let's talk about a vodka cocktail and just sort of role play, you know, all the ingredients you can get in beautiful Birmingham, Alabama, which I love a lot. Great town, by the way. And, uh, and let's just let's just walk through some of those drinks because uh, the people that listen to podcasts love the podcast love to takeaway recipes.
6: So here's one of my favorite recipes, and this is for the Campari Royale. So we're talking now about champagne-based cocktail. Yep. I would just, I had that marked by the way. That's a beautiful drink.
3: I just, I just had that marked by the way. The photography is beautiful, by the way.
6: Thank you. It's you know, it made its way to the cover of the book because of how really beautiful the photo turned out. But it is one of those drinks that you know it introduces something different to what you may be accustomed to when drinking a champagne-based cocktail and the very first time i had anything like this i was sitting in the middle of a piazza in rome and i will be honest and say that aperol and the prosecco all of that a little sweet for me i have a hard time with aperol spreads. and so i was telling the the bar the or the gentleman that was serving us i said, you know, I love the idea of it. It's just a little too sweet for me. And he said, do you like champagne? And I said, I love champagne. He said, do you like Campari? I said, love Campari. He said, I'll be right back. And he came back with this beautiful drink. And I said, tell me about this. He said, it's a Campari Royale and you're using the more bitter of the beverages on that spectrum. But I like the play that you can have with let's say you do want it a little sweeter and you want to use Aperol or you want to use Prosecco or something else of your choice. I want you to have a good guide because it really did shock me that this, you know, this experience of me just saying, I don't want something so sweet turned into something that became one of my favorite cocktails. So I knew I wanted to get back in the kitchen. When we were working on this book, I said, we've got to do it in a coupe glass. So we came up with um, with this version so that you have this beautiful cocktail, but it's not too sweet.
3: And I love Campari. I love that bitter note. I think it's so delicious.
6: And I love Campari with vodka too. So if you're starting to even get in the realm of like, you buy a bottle of Campari, there's a lot you can do with it also. Uh, so I, you know, I'll do a watermelon and Campari with vodka in the summer. So something sweet, bring it down with the bitter, but the flavors play so well together. Watermelon Campari. Right oh yeah oh, okay
2: we did we did champagne now we're on right, to... we did
6: champagne you what what do you want next bourbon
2: bourbon, bourbon. yeah all
6: right <laughs> I'll tell you about bourbon um this was a fun one so my husband makes Manhattans for me all the time I and I mean it's like if I'm in the mood for for a cocktail he'll be like you want a Manhattan and I love when he makes a Manhattan it's it's the best Manhattan I've ever had
3: he can just look you right in the eye and go is it Manhattan time
6: Yeah. Yeah. Like, are we having
3: a Manhattan? Yes, we are. Manhattan's kind of day, aren't we? Let's do this.
6: Yes. Every day that ends in Y is a Manhattan. (laughs) And uh, I asked him, I said, so we're working on the book. And I said, "Uh, I want your Manhattan recipe. And he was like, okay. He was so excited. And we were at a dinner party a few weeks later and he said, So Brian is doing another cocktail book and he is going to print my recipe for the Manhattan. And I kind of stopped and I froze and I was like, oh, shit. Uh," I was like, it's not exactly. I said, we we really rifted. And he goes, you did what? I said, well, for the holidays, I really wanted to do a cranberry Manhattan just because I thought Let's play off of something associated specifically with holiday flavor and we're going to do a Cranberry Manhattan.
3: We were just talking about that right before you hopped on. I think it's a great cocktail. It's so
6: delicious. Well, he was devastated by the news. Devastated.
3: Is
2: your husband's name Stephen?
6: Yeah, turn the page. Okay. Yeah, I figured. I, I surprised him I, that night when he was devastated. I was like, oh my God, like I have really made a big mistake. Like, Yeah, he gave me this recipe. He was so proud that his Manhattan recipe was going to be in the book. And then the news just did not land well with him that I had taken it to the cranberry world and that we were playing in that like Manhattan range. So I did think the world could use two versions of the Manhattan and Stevens is definitely sitting front and center on the next page after that cranberry. So.
3: All right, let's batch it out. Let's batch it out. So you got you got like eight people coming over for dinner, um, you know, and, and you you you've got a cheese and charcuterie board out. The fire's roaring, and then you've got this cranberry Manhattan. Put it together for us.
6: I mean, the cranberry Manhattan to me, you know, you you make this simple syrup. You get your ingredients ready. I mean, we're looking at two ounces bourbon, one ounce of sweet rouge vermouth. You've got the cranberry simple syrup. And then we do it in a cocktail shaker. So if you're making single batches, you can do two. I think you can double it and it's going to shake fine unless you've got, got some mega shaker situation going on. But one thing I also do when I'm big batching, a recipe that says in the shaker, I will still make it ahead of time in a pitcher. I'll stir everything together. I'll get it in the in the pitcher so that I have everything measured. Because the worst part about entertaining is you're standing there pouring two ounces, two more ounces, two more ounces, trying to do the math. And the math never works when you're trying to talk and entertain. So I make drinks in a pitcher, I stir it to get it really nice and combined. And then I will still pour it in a shaker if it needs to be shaken over ice or chilled back down, or you want that nice froth or something like that. And then I'll shake it based on how many I'm doing at the time. I mean, it's kind of the big batch yourself. It's the easiest thing to do and it's going to work just fine. And the crowd's going to love it anyway. That's that's
3: the name of Wells' new book called Go Batch Yourself. I,
6: like I think that. it's, I, I do
3: too. i go buy <laughs> yourself.com. I, 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 we, we just bought it. Uh, okay. So, so I, I, I think, especially with a really good Manhattan, cause I'm a big fan of Manhattan's, I, I think, do you like a two to one ratio of bourbon to sweet vermouth? Or some people go a 0.5, not quite the one. Right. I like a little with yeah. a little, cause it's just, it's, it's too hot. Right. It's too, like too alcoholic
6: without it. Right. And Steven, it vermouth is where he gets into the entire, if I make one and I don't have enough vermouth in it, he yeah. is like you, he will immediately be like, uh, it needs a little bit more of the, of the ver- vermouth added. Like we like the balance. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm an equal opportunity Manhattan drinker. So when I'm out drinking at a bar, like I'm just happy they're serving me a Manhattan. Um, but when Steven's perfect Manhattan, he got the ratio where he felt like this was the best thing.
3: Okay. So, so two to one ratio, and this is what I like about it, right? So if you've got a big picture and I, I don't, I have it on my phone, but, but, uh, but Cambro, right. If you guys can remember that out there and you can get this on Amazon, but we have this big, huge one gallon uh, plastic pitcher. That is what we make cocktails out of. Right. And then we'll end up putting it into a couple of, like really pretty uh, glass crafts. And then we'll have a nice big uh, uh, champagne bucket full of crushed ice. We have a, a very specific ice maker here in the house that makes perfect cocktail ice, pebble ice. huh? And then, uh, and then we'll, we'll, so, so the, the batch cocktails will be in beautiful glass crafts already perfectly balanced out. Right. And then, and then uh, with the cranberry, cranberry Manhattans, cause that's my jam too. I'll take that. Cause what, what I like to do is actually uh, uh, infuse the bourbon with cranberry a couple of weeks ahead of time. So in a, in a, in a big, huge, vat <clears throat> bourbon, cranberries, couple of bottles of bourbon. So listen, I know we got people coming over, right? That's right. Bourbon, cranberries, let it go, right? And because of the alcohol, it's going to pickle the cranberries and it's going to extract the beautiful, that tart flavor, little Campari note on that little, little tart, little bitter uh, flavor on the tongue, which is really good. But what's so cool about that is the color. The color is just so striking. And then we've got that perfect balance. Then you can't really screw it up. All you got to do and don't put any ice in it yet because you don't want to dilute it. Right. So have them in in uh, the big bucket of ice, the champagne bucket full of crushed ice. So when you walk in the door, you're ready to go. I When, when I uh, uh, save things for guests, when they come over, I like to save a little razzle dazzle, right, that we can do in front of them. So it kind of like a little magic trick. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So so if you're thinking through and and always um, give yourself time to practice one or two. So, you know, here here's my flying V. Here's my coupe, Here's what I'm serving this in. And then I know exactly how much alcohol, uh, you know, what four ounces looks like and then shake it and then pour it. And then all you got to do is do that all night long, which is really great. And that's what we do for events professionally. So, yeah. so we're not doing alchemy at, a, at an event. We're going to bash the cocktails out and then we're get, all, all, all I want to hear is just shake it. Right. And then pour the drink in front of people w- w- in whatever cocktail you're going to make. But, um, I think that's the most successful thing you can do for a cocktail party, uh, especially around the holidays, batch it and then just shake it and then pour it one at a time. And then you got something really, really pretty and classy.
6: Absolutely.
2: Can you tell – I'm an old-fashioned man. My father loves a Manhattan, but he likes one-to-one ratio, and I'm like, it's too much vermouth, but he's old, so I don't know if that's how it used to be done. But um, I noticed that there was like a peanut butter old-fashioned.
6: Oh, my God, yes. What what the – what, 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 what?
2: I I need to hear about this.
6: (laughs) All right. If you do not know the beauty of drinking Screwball peanut butter uh, whiskey – i man you can pour it over vanilla ice cream and your life is just fine it Ooh. it's great to sip on its own it's sweet it's the peanut butter flavor is truly there it's not like it's not one of those i, I it's not one of those kitschy liquors that i feel like shouldn't be worthy of having its moment i think it's actually really delicious
3: mm.
6: <laughs> And uh, I had to get it in in the drink. I had to get it in the in the in the book.
3: I want to put some jelly something in the bottom of that. (laughs) peanut butter and jelly. Do it. Smash
6: it. One of my colleagues makes peanut butter and jelly like jello shots using this whiskey. So I'm making notes. We spend a lot of time chatting about this peanut butter whiskey. It's so good. It's so good. That's fire.
2: You just throw some Luxardo cherries in there. And I feel like that's the jelly, right?
6: You know what? That's I'm so glad you said Luxardo cherries. This is going to bridge the Manhattan conversation perfectly okay. back to this peanut butter pairing too. When you're making a Manhattan, if you're not using the the cranberry version that we discussed, and you're using cherry, you should be using Luxardo cherry. Do not right. the cheap uh, maraschino. That's too sweet, and I love the richness and the flavor you get from the Luxardo cherries. And Stephen's recipe even has a splash of the Luxardo liqueur in the drink.
3: Yes. Yeah, unless you're making a pineapple upside down cake, that calls for yeah. the,
6: the kitsch
3: of having, yeah. you know, a, a a bright red cherry. There's no point. Yeah, get the Luxardo. They're so yeah. good. Exactly. So good.
2: And the color of them always makes the drink look better. It's that dark, you yep. know, crimson. You're like, okay, I know that this is fancy. I 100% agree with that. They are expensive, but they are definitely worth it okay last one um what what, so we've done we did a champagne we did two bourbons do you want a vodka or a gin
6: gin is not my favorite so gin is it's the you know if i'm in the hierarchy of things that i like and dislike i'm gonna have to say i can't gin is gonna get kicked off the gin kicked kicked off off the the island yeah yeah
3: i think blanco tequila well that's a slam dunk right everybody likes blanco tequila
6: i i like i love tequila I love tequila.
3: You're saying that with passion in your voice. Yeah. I, I hear that.
6: Vodka is going to win again for me, though. Like vodka's okay. my clear liquor go-to.
3: Blanco tequila and vodka in a dark alley. Somebody's going to win. Who wins <laughs> that fight? Vodka. I'm say
6: vodka. You well vodka tequila's wins? probably already going to win.
2: Right. Well, yeah. He's I mean, blindly drunk, drunk think, and
6: <laughs> yeah, tequila will fight anyway. So yeah, you yeah. <laughs> fight <laughs> whether you I'll want you. it to or not. So yeah, right. tequila already won. <laughs> Vodka's too nice.
3: But yeah, right.
2: Too All right, give us your favorite vodka recipe.
6: All right, bring it in for New Year's with the on. Okay. And it it just brings together for me something so simple. Alabama has our satsuma crop from South Alabama that we're very proud of. Not many people know about the satsumas from Alabama. Um, my favorite way to drink them is satsuma vodka sparkling water. It's a very simple cocktail. You can get that vodka as strong as you need it to be, but you also get that really great flavor that you get from the Satsumas. Uh, Satsumas also have season in Louisiana, California. They're available.
2: Tell everybody what that is. Yeah. What is that?
6: A lot of times called like a Mandarin Satsuma. It's a variety of orange citrus really small. I think you can see in the photo here in the book. They've got beautiful green leaves. They're really they're just small, dark orange, super sweet but really good flavor. And mm-hmm. they they're I find when I squeeze like a like a navel orange or uh like some of the big mega like probably not even like so many chemicals just to make that orange get into our world, the juice is not good it doesn't taste great you don't get a lot of the you're not getting the flavor you think you're going to get and when you're using the really small like satsumas or mandarins you get really nice like i think powerful citrus flavor from it yeah um so vodka satsuma juice sparkling water perfect for new year's day
2: this would also be good with tequila as well though like that's
6: yep absolutely
2: i I, it's totally a drink that i've made is tequila soda with like a bunch of orange
3: juice. It's like a skinny margarita with. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
6: And then you can take the vodka out and no sparkling water and just have the satsuma juice in your mimosa.
2: or Mm. you got
6: got a mimosa with the satsuma. So you have champagne, satsuma juice. It's so good. Satsuma in the house. Satsumas. Yeah. We just got our first ones in for Alabama's crop like last week. So it's satsuma season at my house.
3: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, like uh, I, I'm wearing California, like California winter citrus is fabulous. That season's coming especially around Christmas. I love it.
6: Yeah.
3: Yeah. It's Clementines. Perfect. Ooh, Clementine season. That's really nice, man. Yeah.
2: Well, Brian, I can't tell you how pumped I am that I have this book uh, holiday Coop Tales. Like this is going to be perfect. I'm just going to go give this to my wife and she's going to be so excited. Um, And this is just, it's just perfect timing. And I, I think that I know I could talk drinks with you, all episode long um but you do have another book out called another bunt collection and i feel like we need to we need to talk about that a little bit before we let you go
6: let's bun it up let's <laughs> <talk>. <laughs> back that bun up Look at that. Beautiful. who doesn't love a bunt cake who yeah. doesn't love a bunt cake if you don't like bunt cake you don't like puppies that hey amen that is the truth yeah
2: so how did this all start? Go, Let's hear the genesis of this, uh, of this Bunt obsession.
6: So to set the stage for this is probably to tell you more about my true day job that I do every single day instead of making cocktails. Um, so I published Bake From Scratch Magazine that I started eight years ago. And baking is a huge passion of mine. Uh, I started baking really passionately when I was a flight attendant in my first career traveling the world opened my eyes to so many different things and flavors and foods that I had never heard of before drove me back home into the kitchen. I wanted to make things and recreate what I had experienced. And uh, so I started bake from scratch after joining my family's media business 16 years ago, learning a lot from my mom, seeing how she navigated niche publishing, like things that I didn't understand when I was younger, like, you know, what is this angle for my mom in in media? And then I had my aha moment when I thought no one has ever created a magazine for people that just love baking. So culinary magazines, yeah, we publish some here at Hoffa Media too, but all over, savory, sweet, everything all in one. And I thought there's never enough of the baking content. So I started bake from scratch and found a whole audience in the world that also loves baking as much as I do. And I then started really falling in love more and more with baking bunk cakes and Nordic Ware, based out of Minneapolis, Minnesota, they make the most beautiful pans. And the way I really feel about it is all you have to do is make a batter and the pan is designed to make the cake look amazing. So uh-huh. it's a really good baker's friend for you make one thing and then the pan does the rest of the work. And I published a cookbook maybe three or four years ago. I think it was 2020, like right during the pandemic. You know, it's so great to have all this stuff in the works. And then you have this product come out and you're like, is anyone going to buy this thing? But lo and behold, the world was baking. I know you know that now. Everybody decided banana bread, sourdough, and you name it. The the world started baking. And that book became, I think, the best-selling cookbook I've ever published. And it was just called The Bunt Collection. And... After having that be so successful and my creativity feeling a little limited and how do you tell people more is on the way, we did another Bunt collection. So it'd be easy (laughs) for you to understand that if you buy the second one and it's called another, there must be a first one in the world you need to find. So it was definitely uh, on plan to be the second edition of a Bunt Baker's cookbook that you got to have.
3: Bunt part two.
6: Yeah, part part two. That's it.
3: <laughs> I love it. Are you with Meredith Publishing down in Birmingham, or, or no? No,
6: my mom down there the company forty years ago. We're Hoffman Media. Sure. And uh my twin brother and I have been in business with our mom for sixteen years, and our mom passed away in July. So now it is my brother and my company, but we are in Birmingham with a lot of the creative magazine world at dot dash Meredith. Yep. First, his office is here. I think people would be shocked to know how many of the magazines and recipes and content they absorb comes out yep. of Birmingham, Alabama.
3: <laughs> Birmingham, Alabama is is the culinary media capital of America right now. You better know that. It used to be New York City. And uh, and now like Food and Wine Magazine is based out of Birmingham and all yeah. those folks. Yeah, it's great Southern living. Um, we're using Birmingham like once or twice a year for something with those folks, but it's such a great city.
6: Well, thanks. Yeah. You'll have to let me know when you're back and you can come hang out in our kitchen.
3: I will for sure. And like uh, Frank Stitt, you know, these great chefs down there, Chris Hastings, big shout out to him. All those like great Birmingham chefs. There's some good food down there.
6: Absolutely. One of the cocktails in the book, actually, the pecan old fashioned was inspired by a cocktail on the menu uh, at Bottega, Frank Stitt's restaurant. So that's a good place. Inspiration everywhere. Fantastic. (laughs)
2: So let's get into bunt cakes because I don't really make them, but my wife does. Um, but you were talking about the pans, which, which I think is um, very interesting. If I were to buy one type of bunt cake pan, what would be the best one or best shape?
3: I mean, they're they're beautiful. If you take a look, Oh, at I know all those like different shapes and stuff like that. I'm, I'm,
6: they I'm, do such amazing work at Nordic where. They have a pan for any season and any reason uh-huh. is the way I kind of think about it. If you're wanting something super specific for a holiday, they have that. But if you're just getting into bunt cake making and you want something that's going to work for most recipes, I like some of their more simple pans. Like in the book, I did a little key where you can see all the different pans and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I love the pans that are like a little bit more swirled and, and they let you put a glaze on and they'll hold the glaze or... You can dust with, you know, confectioner's sugar or something, but the pattern of the pan, you know, it's gotta be something that you like, first of all. But secondly, if you're starting your collection or you're getting the one you're going to use, get something that you can use all year round. One of their more just geometric designs, yeah, um, not something so specific, like the holiday themes that have the snowflakes or the Christmas trees or things like that on them once you get your obsession going and you want to have all of them in the kitchen, that's when you start getting all those seasonal specific uh, pans.
2: Yeah. Like the, the, the elegant party bunt pan seems like that would be a good place to start. Um, It's beautiful. And it also almost is like already pre-portioned. It looks like, right. It's
6: perfect for slicing. It's the debate in my household when I bake anything in the elegant party pan I have a group of friends. They love when I bake. They love when I'm making stuff. But they'll be the like, oh, just a small piece, small piece please. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I do two ridges of the elegant party. And they're like, no, just one. And I'm like, ah, our friendship's in question at this point. If you're-
3: That's, <laughs> okay. That's on you. Just don't eat it. You know what I mean? Like, don't, don't drag your thing in. My- I'm cutting the cake. I'm going to hand it to you. Uh, just eat, eat what you want.
6: Yeah, it's, a, it's common for me to also say, I don't really care what you think. I'm cutting these. <laughs> like they're,
3: like they're making an announcement. They Just give me a little thin slice. Just, just a little thin it's slice.
6: Like, the guests that like, oh, just a small piece, please. Uh, I'll um, just, try. they
3: say in front of everybody. Oh, just got of, can I just get a small piece?
6: And then they want a second slice. And I'm <laughs> always like, oh, nanny, nanny, boo-boo as I walk back over there. To nanny, cook. nanny,
3: boo-boo. <laughs> oh, my God.
5: <laughs> How'd we do today? We did good. good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio
3: app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: All right, so if I am a complete novice, which I am in making bunk Cakes, what would you say is the best one, the go-to for the holiday season?
6: For the holiday, well, God, you're going to make me, like, pick a favorite in here. You know, I think if you're doing something for the first time, you do something like the brownie bundt cake or something that's like a single flavor profile. It's chocolate. You could put peppermint extract in there and really give it a nice holiday, like, chocolate peppermint twist. Yeah, jam like Um,
3: Williams-Sonoma peppermint bark in the top of that. Call it a dizzy.
6: That is Yeah, now you're talking like the good stuff. Yeah. The peppermint bark out. And then, I mean, you've got spiced cakes. Like I've got a pumpkin donut bunt in here. There's a carrot cake. There's baklava. I mean, it's anything you, anything. I mean, here's a Earl gray with orange that's. Oh, that's really pretty.
3: That's really pretty. You know what I really like about a bond cake uh, because you you can you can finish it strong. You can decorate the cake and it looks really really beautiful, versus thinking through a cake that's traditionally layered with buttercream, because that's just that's just complicated, right? Now there's a thing called naked cakes, which they don't really worry about frosting the side, right? Which is which you know which kind of has an interesting you know moments having a moment now. But I think the bunt cakes are really pretty. Now, now with a bunt cake, like I'm I'm assuming these bunt pans are do you spray them? Do you butter and flour them? Cause that's always a scary thing. Is it going to come out?
6: So now you're gonna perfect question for me to start talking about buntology. And this is actually stuff that people should know. So I joke about it, but if you're going to buy a bunt pan, you should know that Nordic Ware makes the cast aluminum and they coat it in a nonstick coating to help you have great results in the kitchen. Yeah. But they also want you to spray it because you're gonna need sometimes those, you know, little nooks and crannies and the details of the pan, things get stuck. Um, they recommend as your go-to baking spray with flour it's just yep. standard buy it at the grocery store baking spray with flour do not reach for the can of the like butter spray like the cooking spray the cooking spray will ruin that non-stick coating
3: oh so, true Yep, yeah,
6: yeah, that's like a path I, of,
3: i've got it in my hand i've got the spray in my hand i'm gonna just don't do
6: that don't do that okay. only use a baking spray with flour or you can do the butter and flour you yeah. could do butter and cocoa powder. So if you're making something chocolate profile, you don't want the residue from flour on the outside. You want the, you know, you want whatever you're using for the nonstick to match the color of what you're baking. Mm. So the best the best rule of thumb is to use the baking spray with flour. It's it's a good, reliable, but do not use cooking spray or else you're going to want to know, why is my cake sticking to this pan? I can't make a Bundt cake because they always stick.
3: That, That is such great information. I
6: never knew that. That's amazing. Just out here preaching about the bunt. <laughs> I love it.
3: All right. So, walk us through a really simple uh, recipe for like an all purpose cake that you can flavor a couple different ways if you want to.
6: I, you know, I think truly that's when you're looking at something like, you know, bunt pans are re- really good for pound cakes. So, you yeah. get just like a really good vanilla bean or a cream cheese pound cake. Um, here's a churro pound cake. I mean, you could take flavor profile. Oh. And, you know, it, it, you can coat the outside in the cinnamon sugar and everything. And then you still have this beautiful pound cake that you've made.
3: Like a tray's leche sauce on top of that.
6: Yes. That would be so good. So good. Wow. Um, yeah. I And it's like, I showed you that brownie bun, you know, go for something. If you're wanting to really learn, start with something that doesn't require a cream cheese swirl, because then you're starting to get into a little bit more of the technique of baking bun cakes and how to do all of that. Um, you know, do something that's a pretty easy batter, maybe even something that stir together. So like a pumpkin spice, quick bread is a great thing to make in a Bundt pan. You can stir it together, get it in the oven. And then the pan did all the work and it looks beautiful.
3: Okay. So you got the cake baked, you flipped it over. It's successful. It looks beautiful. How do you glaze it? However you want to.
6: That's the nice thing about the pan. I think, you know, the details in the pan lend themselves to, I mean, you could do a simple just confectioner sugar, vanilla extract, a little bit of salt because it's good. And then a few tablespoons of cream or something thin that glaze out to, to the consistency you want it to be. Yeah. And you can just pour it over the top and let it run down the sides. And it just it's something that looks so good without trying too hard.
3: And it gets a little crunchy when it dries. Right. That's yeah. Nice, right. love that. That's good.
6: I love yeah. a glaze, you know, and then you're, it's kind of like you can, here's one that an, an ambrosia pound cake. So you've got this thicker glaze on the top of it that stays a little bit more in place. What is that? Tell
3: everybody what that is.
6: Oh, it's what ambrosia?
3: No, 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 not ambrosia. Well, cause <laughs> hello, Southern, uh, j- just the glaze.
6: Okay. So for the glaze in this cake, we're doing, it's confectioner sugar milk. I mean, you've got like simple, simple spice. I mean, confectioner sugar milk and orange zest. So you can put zest in your glaze and give it a whole other profile. You could put spices. So if you wanted cinnamon in there, I mean, there's just so much you can do with a glaze there. There aren't a lot of rules there. Um, You know, I will sometimes use like a little bit of rum or bourbon or something if I want just a little bit of that bite that you get to complement some of the other flavors. Um, So instead of using like you know milk or cream to thin your glaze you just put a little bit of another liquid that you want to use i mean it all works as long as you're getting the right consistency
3: and what, what's a good ratio between like liquid to powdered sugar
6: uh if you're looking at like a cup of confectioner's sugar and then maybe you start with a tablespoon of like cream and you know whisk it and see what it, it looks like if you go too far and you you put too much liquid you just add more confectioner's sugar that's the beautiful thing about making a glaze is you're not gonna ruin it by going too far. You just have to use one or the other. So if it's too thick, add a little more liquid. If it's too runny, add more confectioner sugar. And you just play that game until you get where you where you're happy with it.
3: Is the bunt pan, is the butt cake warm when you glaze it or do you let it cool down completely?
6: Rarely would you glaze warm unless it's like something you're wanting it to look like a like a donut or something, and you're gonna get a really thin glaze that gets nice and crackly and you want it to go on while it's warm. Um, Most of the time, let it cool completely. Then you glaze it. I always say glaze it as close to serving as possible, just because you don't want it to get so crusty or you don't, you know, you want it to look its best. So do the baking early and then do your glazing and garnishing right before you you plan to serve it. Then it's going to be the most beautiful and everybody's going to love it.
3: All right, cool. So you got the bundt cake. It's glazed beautifully. Now, now, how do you finish it? Like, so you've got the negative space in the middle of the hole, right? And then you got like, so what do you fill that with just so it looks gorgeous? Because like the pictures are amazing. I,
6: you know, I don't, I don't fill it. You know, I know a lot of people get into using it almost as like, I don't know, you could, I've seen like Easter eggs and things put in there like Cadbury, you know, holiday candy. And if you're into that kind of adding the like decadence to decadence to decadence go for it you know you could fill the center with you know whatever kind of candy or whatever you want but I generally just slice and the center stays open
3: okay cool and then and then what the ice cream or whipped cream both (laughs) I I choose I choose whipping cream is is one of those things that if you've got a store-bought cake or if you pick up something from like a really great you know pie shop or something like that, if you can whip cream from scratch, you are a magician at a cocktail at a dinner party because it's got that beautiful texture to it and just like cold cream, a little bit of vanilla extract, a little bit of uh, confectioner sugar, and just put some elbows into that so you get it's like so it's like moussey, right? And people just think that's so incredible.
6: My favorite whipped cream is to do a little bit of creme fraiche in mm-hmm. the whip. Cream. Then you get a little bit of that tang, a little bit of that different flavor profile. But I think it is so nice with something sweet to have yeah. some cream fresh and the whipped cream.
3: Yeah. And that and that flavor, that that sharpness from the creme fraîche tastes delicious with sugar. Yeah. 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 So Great. good. Yeah. Love that.
2: Oh well now I'm hungry and thirsty. Uh yeah. thank you so much, Brian, for doing that to me. It's I don't know if it's early enough for me to go make a Manhattan and to uh whip up a bun cake, but I don't know. Why not? It's five o'clock somewhere, right? I almost
6: said it. I thought, who's going to say is it five o'clock somewhere? Uh, Well, it is.
2: (laughs) Brian, thank you so much for coming on Two Dudes in the Kitchen. The new Bunt Cake book is called Another Bunt Collection, but then also go buy the original one. Then, of course, if you're uh, looking to make some amazing holiday drinks, the Holiday Coop Tales is out now as well. This has been so much fun. You're on Instagram at Brian Hart Hoffman
6: yes i just appreciate being on here with you guys and and maybe one day we can do this in the kitchen together
3: wouldn't that be fun i'd love that so wells is in la i'm in san francisco and then i usually end up in birmingham once a year for something so maybe we'll get together be good let me know it'll be great but it'd be so much fun
2: brian thank you again so much for coming on two dudes in the kitchen this was awesome and this was perfect for my my wife is going to love both of these so much i love are, this man yeah
6: these are great books and,
2: yeah and these
3: are great gifts great holiday
6: gifts too Oh, I appreciate you saying that. Thank you.
2: All right, Brian. Thank you so much for coming on, man.
6: See ya. Take care, buddy.
1: Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in LA. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip
3: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: That was awesome. Like, I didn't know what to expect from this show today, Um, but it tur- turns out, like, I'm going to really use both of these cookbooks yeah. a lot during this holiday season.
3: Yeah, man. Yeah, l- Listen, uh, well, shout out to our producers, right? Because I just think we're on a roll. We're getting such good insight and good culinary talent and good entertaining mm-hmm. talent on the podcast yeah so he he's he's kind of a legend in in the publishing space he makes content that people want to use mm-hmm. and and then i i'm with you i think a bunt cake if you really like to bake cakes and the idea of doing like a you know a two-layer buttercream cake that kind of feels like a traditional birthday cake but you love the baked cakes go bunt you know, I I think that it and it's, it it is literally the bundt cake Bible. I think you're going to love it, and if you like making a good cocktail, especially this holiday season, uh, you can't miss with uh, with this new holiday book.
2: Yeah, it's so cool. Uh, thanks everyone out there for listening to Two Dudes in the Kitchen. Please follow us over on Instagram at Two Dudes in the Kitchen for all news updates, and uh, you can also DM us as well. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. I'm going to go work on my costume, and then I'm going to go make that peanut butter uh, old fashioned. Yeah, man,
3: I love that. Yeah.
2: I don't know. I never even heard of that peanut butter booze, but I'm going to go get
3: that. I'm going to look it up right now. And then you you might see a a peanut butter and jelly cocktail on the menu. Sounds great. (laughs) All
2: right, man, this was fun. Uh, Enjoy the week. I'll see you next week.
3: I'll see you next week. Thanks everybody. Bye-bye.
2: All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Instagram at two dudes in a kitchen. Make sure to write us a review and leave us five stars. (laughs) We'll take that
3: and we'll see you guys next
2: time. See you next time.